They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. This on? Hello? Hello? We're all science people. Science? Exactly. We know it's a good idea because it's lasted. There's chemistry in here. There's biology in here. It's in whiskey. It's in ice cream. It's in who you fall in love with. Rules and, and ethics and everything else. We can make the world better for everybody. Starting now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Science Rules. I'm your host, Bill Nye, and this is the show where science rules. And it's a call-in show, so if you want to be on the show, and I hope you do, the number to call is 470-ASK-BILL. 470-ASK-BILL translates to become 470-275-2455. Give us a call, and to find out when to call... Check me out on the uh, electric internet machine that you might have, and please send us your questions and comments to askbillnye.com. And I am joined once again by my dear friend, science writer, editor, thought leader, Corey <laughs> S. Powell. <laughs> Greetings, Corey. Oh, that's a lot of pressure for, uh, for leading thought. Bill, it's great to be here. And, you know, for me, space exploration was, it was kind of the gateway drug into science when I was a kid. It was the, the thing that first kind of opened up my eyes. And I see you've brought somebody else along, someone who's right here on the frontiers of exploration. The frontiers of exploration, Dr. Z.B. Turtle. Welcome to the show. You're from the Applied Physics Laboratory at Johns Hopkins University. And you are the principal investigator on Dragonfly. <laughs> yes. Hi. Thanks. It's great to be here. You are in charge of the next mission to the Saturnian system. And you're specifically going to go to the one big moon of Saturn. Right, to Titan. And why are we going there? Why would you pick it? How cool is this? So Titan is very unique for a moon in the outer solar system in that it has a I mean, we all know our moons in the outer solar system, yeah. of course, but there's something special about yeah, Titan. Even among, right? even among those moons. Even among those moons. Titan has a thick atmosphere. It's the only moon that has a thick atmosphere. And that atmosphere is actually denser than Earth's. It's so four times or the something. The density is four times the density here at the surface of Earth. It's one and a half times the, surf the atmospheric pressure here at the surface of Earth. And the gravity's lower. And so it's the perfect combination oh, wow. 
for flying. Come on, fantasy people. Come on. Yep. You so have to wear a could fly. You, you need to... you need to stay warm. It's pretty chilly out yeah. there. You need some oxygen, but but, but you wouldn't you need a pressure around. suit because the atmospheric pressure is okay. Exactly. You just you just need a you need to yep. keep the your breathable air in and keep warm. Exactly. But, so wait, so a person with a person uh, with, you could put wings on a person with like sort of big bat wings could the fly suit, on tight. The, yeah. the wing suit. Yeah. Yeah. How cool is, is that? that? Come on. <laughs> okay, awesome. so is that is that next? Or are you getting ready to send yourself so you can fly on Titan? Because that I mean, would be awesome. Come on, how <laughs> cool. Awesome. But here's what's really relevant about this atmospheric thickness. You crazy kids aren't going to come down with rocket, retro rocket <laughs> landing <laughs> the way we do on Mars. <laughs> Instead, you guys are going to, you all are going to do what? So the, the Dragonfly mission is a rotorcraft. Dragonfly is a rotorcraft. Yep. So technically, it's a an octocopter. See, so it's your octocopter, Corey. It's an octocopter. Yeah. So we've got an octocopter. <laughs> octocopter. Meaning yep. it has. Eight. So it's got eight rotors. They're actually um, they're actually configured in in four sets of two rotors. Um, so sometimes we'll call it a dual quadcopter because that's what it looks like. Dual but quad. Technically, it's a it's an X eight octocopter. So, <laughs> who the heck? Who came up? She's smirking, you guys. Who came up with this? <laughs> so people have been talking about flying on Titan for a couple decades, right? We've known Titan has this great atmosphere um, and that uh, um, that it would be an easy place to fly. I mean, just physically, it's easier to fly um, in the under these conditions. And so there have been people thinking about helicopters or planes or balloons. There are lots of studies that have been done with different types of flying craft. And a balloon. <laughs> no, a, an octocopter. Come on. <laughs> well, that's exactly, I mean, that's exactly it. That in the last two decades, there's been this revolution in drone technology, in autonomous flight capability. And so at this point, we have the technology that's been developed on Earth for all sorts of different applications. And what all we need, all we need to do, it makes it sound easy. Um, but what, what we have proposed to do is send is use that technology to explore Titan. So uh, you are a planetary scientist. Tell the world what planetary science is. Uh, planetary science is a, a very broad discipline um, because we get to apply all the other sciences to the planets, to our solar system and all the different bodies in it. And you're mostly solar systemic. You're not a big exoplanet. I am personally, yes. I primarily study uh, objects in the solar system, primarily the solid bodies in the solar system, and primarily the outer solar system. So the outer solar system. So you guys, everybody, listeners, thank you. Uh, the inner planets are the ones that, if I can use the expression, are easy to explore. A few billion. They're closer. Yeah, yep. it's easy. Mercury, Venus, Mars. Venus, not so easy. Mars. And then Earth. You may have been there. Earth. But way out there. The icy worlds. And so we call these world the, the water worlds, right? Yes. Yeah. The, many of the satellites, not all, but many of the satellites have uh, water ice and uh, By uh, satellites, many you're talking about the moons of the- Natural. Yes, exactly. Uh, natural bodies. Exactly. The moons of the, the planets in the outer solar system, the giant planets, Jupiter and Saturn, and the ice giants, Uranus and Neptune. Now, wait. Before we get to the moons- what is an ice giant? Uh, I, I, this is a term that I see around a lot now, but I don't. I don't think most people know what an ice giant is, and I'm honestly a little hazy on. Was are they actually icy on the inside? The is, abominable your, is Uranus and Neptune? Giant? Are they so they're, icy? They're fundamentally different from um, 
from Jupiter and Saturn. They're, they're smaller worlds. Often we classify them differently to distinguish between them in terms of the materials that make them up. So they have more ices in them than So uh, how do Jupiter you know this? This was as I mean, this is always fascinating. How do we infer, how do we figure out what these far, far away planets and moons are made of? There, there are lots of different um, lines of evidence. Of course, uh, we've had um, spacecraft explore the uh, the planets in the outer solar system, the, the planetary systems in the outer solar system, um, with the Voyager mission that flew by all four Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. And when did and that happen? That was in the. Well, it depends on which planet you're talking about. Because it takes a long it time. It takes a to long get time to, to get out there. there. Yeah. So it was about a decade going between the the different so, planets. Uh, it, they launched in the summer of 1977, which yep. was my first summer in the workforce. I was graduated from engineering school in 77. And the last flyby um, was Neptune in 1989. In 1989. Yeah, so that's a yeah. long time. Yeah. It's a long way away to get you know, to the outer and solar that's system. that's going as fast as we could punch it. The New Horizons was the the fastest, fastest just ever going as fast as possible yeah. to get out to Pluto, and yeah. it got a shoo by Jupiter. Jupiter, yeah. Yep. And uh, in space, there's no sound, so it actually got a going around <laughs> Jupiter. Uh, so wait, so what are the four big moons of Jupiter? The Galilean satellites are Io, Europa, Ganymede, and Callisto, in order from the from Jupiter outward. Now, Io is not such a nice place to visit. Io is spectacular. Okay, Io has <laughs> giant silicate volcanoes, and it is an Absolutely spectacular. What's, place. what's the different? What's a silicate volcano? Um, rocky. It's so. Um, so the the reason I I specified them in order is that there's actually a progression as you go out from Jupiter. The three closest uh, satellites, the three closest moons to Jupiter, Io, Europa, and Ganymede, um, are in a resonance, an orbital resonance, and so in their orbits they kind of catch up to each other and give each other a little push every few orbits. Exactly. But, but silently. Silently. Yes. Right. But um, but they give each other a little push, and this this system. resonance, yeah. yeah, this system results in heating of the interiors of the satellite. They get squozed, squeezed exactly. every time. Yeah. Right. So resonance is almost like uh, like if it's you're like pushing, pushing. You're pushing somebody on a swing exactly. over and over again, they go higher and higher. They're pushing. You push on the, them at the right time, exactly. Right. And so, so they I push and pull at each other. Europe and, that, and Ganymede push at just the right times, and, then that and that creates that keeps heat. Their orbits. So because their orbits are a little eccentric. Each of the satellites moves. A little moves, oval. Yep, a little oval. They each moves a little uh, closer and further from Jupiter in its orbit, and so this is that squishing mm -hmm. as they, you know, as they move closer, further, and closer. They kind of the whole body just squishes a little bit, but it's doing it every orbit, and so that actually generates a lot of heat for the last four and a half billion years. And now, Bill, I have an amazing insight about this show, and you know what that is. Is it because it's a call-in show? It is, is, a call is the it, insight rather that this is a call-in show? My insight <laughs> is that this is a call-in show. And further, I have another insight, which is we have a caller dying to talk to us. Dying? Dying. dying. Yes, Yikes. It, this is a life-saving maneuver we're about to do, Bill. <laughs> uh, is it Jenna? It is. Jenna, God, are you out like, there? God, you're good at this. Hello? Jenna. Jenna, where are you calling from? I am calling from Boston, Massachusetts. All right. In the United States. And you have a question or two? Uh, yes, yes. The first question I have does pertain to these satellites that I believe you've been talking about um, by Jupiter and Saturn. I was wondering, I know they have the water and they have the organic molecules, but what's the probability that there's life on those um, the satellites? Uh, 
assume it wouldn't be like life on Earth, um, but so far from the sun, I was wondering if there's a Goldilocks zone for these satellites like there is for planets. That's a great question. It is uh, a good question. So, yeah, Dr. Ab- Dr. Turtle, is, is there life? So that <laughs> we don't know. And that's one of the reasons that we want to explore the the satellites in the outer solar system, because as you say, it's a very, uh, very good term, the Goldilocks zone. And we refer to that often in terms of life as we know it and the, the kind of range from the sun that is most comfortable for life as we know it. But we found that the habitable zone um, may extend much further out into the outer solar system because these oceans in uh, satellites or, or potentially, you know, liquid water bodies at the surface of satellites um, can be oases for, uh, you know, potentially for where life might be able to develop. But we don't we don't know. And so what we want to study with uh, with these kinds of missions is is the habitability of these bodies. Are they habitable by life of some kind or another? You talked about Europa that has an ocean inside Enceladus has an ocean inside. These are things that have warm oceans. Yes. And so at and least maybe the conditions for life? Well, liquid water. So at least, you know, zero at Celsius least zero at Celsius. Yeah. pressure. So something yeah. not too far that. off room temperature. Yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. Now, what about Titan? Could there be life on Titan? Again, we, we don't know. And what we want to understand, actually, in, in studying Titan, because we know it has all of the ingredients necessary for life in terms of energy and carbon or organic energy, material. energy heat. Means, yep, like sunlight yeah, yeah. Um, and water in the past, at least at the surface and now in the interior. We know it's had all of these ingredients. What we want to study on Titan is the prebiotic chemistry, the steps that chemistry took to get to biology, that steps that must have been taken here on Earth before biology develop, developed. But it's hard to study that on Earth because it's overprinted by biology everywhere. Mm. And so on Titan, what we actually want to do— Overprinted, Corey. Yes. Overprinted. <laughs> What we actually want to do on Titan is go back and see what might have happened on the early Earth that led to the development I mean, of biology. You guys, this – Jenna, this is a worthy use of our intellect and treasure. So, uh, Jenna, what do you think the chances of life on Titan or Europa or Enceladus are? Well, I'm optimistic. <laughs> I think it has all of the building blocks and, you know, all of the habitable things sounds like. Um, I guess my only other question was, does it have the necessary sunlight? I know you said it has the heat, but it just seems like it's so far from the sun. And I know we have those deep sea vents on Earth where there's life there without sunlight, but do we think life could have started down there? Right. Is there enough energy? Right. So again, we we don't know um, what it takes to develop life, and that's what we want to study, is how is what you need. Um, but we do know that there is sunlight, um, and that's what's responsible for all this photochemistry in the atmosphere, for the, the, the it's complex kind of, carbon it's kind molecules. Of co- kind, of, kind of cooking these organic yeah, molecules. it kind of breaks them apart, they recombine. Um, so that's, that's uh, um, part of what the sunlight does. But there is actually enough sunlight um, at the surface of Titan to see. It's not, it's not really dark. Um, it's actually kind of like a, this... this uh, this conference room is probably not far off the brightness at the surface of Titan. Wow. So we do know and we can fly that there's around solar illumination. In Wait, the there, right suit. And there's something else big that we haven't talked about yet, which is there's rain on Titan. There are lakes on Titan. Uh, how does that work? Rain made of what? Of methane. Of natural gas. Yeah, Liquid so, natural gas. Exactly. And, and, so that's and lakes the other, of natural gas. Yep. So that's the other aspect of, of Titan that's really intriguing is that on Earth we have a water cycle. And so there 
oceans and clouds and rain and rivers made of water. Titan has the same thing, but it's made it, but it's a methane cycle. And so there are um, there are methane clouds and methane <laughs> rain so and methane cool. rivers. What and methane color lakes is and a seas. methane cloud? It, um, well, so they look kind of bright white clouds, just like mm. uh, just like the water the water clouds we have here on Earth. They actually look they look bright. Can there be methane rainbows on Titan? There, there potentially could be. And what would be really intriguing about rainbows on Titan, the atmosphere, because there's methane in the atmosphere, that there are certain windows um, in the spectrum that you can, you know, that, that where radio frequencies or light frequencies, light will, frequencies penetrate will penetrate more penetrate. easily than other frequencies. So a rainbow would have gaps in it. Do 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 do. Oh, I guess where, it's this one right have... here. Sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> Jenna, thank you for your call. Thank you. Science Rules will be right back. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. You're listening to Science Rules. Where did your interest in space, where did this excitement about exploring the solar system, where did that begin? My personal. You personally. So I don't don't remember not knowing the planets, not knowing space. Um, My uh, favorite board game, my sister and I played this game called Space Hop all the time, right? And it was this game where you got a – where you'd you'd pick a card and it would say go to the planet where or go to the, you know, the satellite where. And you had to know, you know, it'd give you a specific thing about that planet. You had to know which one it was. So what would be a typical one? Go where the sand is orange or something? Oh, go to the planet with rings that has rings rings or something like that at the time. Well, so this so this is part of the this is part of the the interest, right? At the time, I mean, everyone knew about Saturn's rings, but Voyager was making its way out through the solar system. And as time went on, we learned not only answers to those questions, but we learned which ones were wrong. Which mm-hmm. ones, because Voyager would get to Jupiter. Which one of the cards on Space Hop yeah. had the wrong information? It would say, go to the planet with 12 moons. And we'd know that Jupiter had a lot more than 12 moons because now Voyager, you know. So, so we, you know, so we kind of learned, saw the, you know, in a very personal way, mm-hmm. the, you know, how knowledge changed, how our knowledge of the solar system changed with this exploration. Um, and so I, I, I just grew up, uh, my father um, is a physicist, and so he studied um, aurora 
And we uh, would always, we'd be going out I mean, to look for the Northern Lights kind of thing. The Northern Lights, exactly. Yeah. We'd go out to look for Aurora. We'd look for comets. We'd look for meteor showers. Where, where, where were you growing up? I grew up in Massachusetts. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So, I just, I just, oh, I, I, I literally don't remember learning the names of the planets. Just always. I've always they were just part they're of They're just your, part of, mm-hmm. they were just part of the geography. Mm-hmm. So, um, then by the time you got to college, did it sort of feel like... This was already your path. You already knew it. It didn't actually. Um, I was very interested in architecture and archaeology as a you know as a kid as well. Um, I majored in in uh, physics because it's broad and gave a lot of different options upon graduation. And I actually started out taking a lot of astrophysics courses because astrophysics is really cool stuff. But as I took the planetary classes in um, in college, the planets are so much more tangible, right? You can get there. Um, and so it was, it kind of drew me back in. And so then I applied for graduate school in planetary sciences. What do you want? What are you most excited about at Titan? What's the thing? Do you have a thing? So what I, what I really love about, um, and there's so many things I love about this mission, but scientifically what is so exciting for me is the fact that we can do the detailed chemistry in the context of Titan as a system. And so not only do we do the, the detailed chemistry measurements specifically in different environments, but we do that in the context of Titan's atmosphere, understanding, making measurements of the atmosphere, understanding Titan's atmosphere, its weather, understanding Titan's geology, how materials have interacted and been transported on the surface, and understanding its interior. We'll have a seismometer so we can listen for Titan quakes. Um, and so we'll, we get the kind of the, 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 the whole package, right? So you... Know every you're familiar with all these instruments. How many times do you have to make the call? We're not going to do this. We're going to do this. You shut up and sit down. You stand <laughs> up and talk. I'm tired of your PowerPoint. <laughs> Show me some. This is an artist's conception. This will never work. How many times do you have to do stuff like that? So, so space exploration is fundamentally a team sport. And so, you know, we're all on the same team working together to explore Titan. So there definitely are, um, there have been, and there will be points where we have to make that that hard decision um, and say, this is what we're going to do, and this is, you know, and we're not going to be able to do this, or we're not going to be able to do this until later, you know, during operations. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, it, it's fundamentally a, a team um, that is that is developing has developed this mission concept and will be carrying it for the, forward. So you've never had to do that. You've never I, had to say no, no to somebody and yes to somebody. <laughs> no, else. absolutely. I, I have absolutely had to do that. Um, but um, it, that's your uh, job. It is Donna. my job. Yep. Now, now, now. Uh, uh, I got. We have another call, which I think really just hits on this whole thing. Daniel, are you out there? Hello? Hello? So uh, what is your question? Uh, how do you pitch space exploration from a more pragmatic economic perspective to uh, an investor of sorts, maybe, instead of someone who's as idealistic and who believes uh, by default in space exploration as we do? So what's uh, justifying the cost of planetary missions? Uh, sending a, a mission is, talk, is space talk for a, space, a spaceship. Sending spaceships to these extraordinary places. The ship, the mission, the base, the operations, all of it, it's obviously going to be very expensive. Uh, and I, I think for that to, to really be uh, funded, you need to give people a, a real economic incentive, right? 
Well, so if you're talking to me, and I think you are, our whole thing at the Planetary Society is this is an extraordinarily good use of our intellect and treasure. And uh, the examples we give you, we almost certainly would not have the internet as we know it without the space program. We, uh, uh, we would not have all, I mean, the people talk about spinoffs, but it's a culture of success. And that's why South Africa, India, Vietnam have space, Australia now has a space program because when you invest in space, uh, your society just uh, uh, improves. But not only that, much more practically, our mobile phones rely on space. When we get our news from the other side of the world, we rely on space. People start complaining if the weather report is off 20 minutes. That's because all these data come down to us from uh, Earth orbit. And all the secret spy stuff, situational awareness, I think we call it, of what our friends and adversaries are up to on the Earth's surface. These are all things we take for granted now that result from space exploration. We also, when you enter, when you do studies or surveys, I mean, uh, take polls, many, many people, a majority of people expect to find life on another world in our solar system. I mean, in our lifetimes, because we've learned so much about how, how Mars, for example, is so similar to Earth and the dissimilarities between Mars and Venus have led us to really to the discovery of climate change here on Earth. And this is all a result of space exploration. And then what we at the Planetary Society like to remind people, the NASA budget now is less than half a percent of the federal budget. The planetary science budget within the NASA budget is 9% of that. I mean, we're talking about 0.036% of the federal budget. Percent. 0.036%.000036 of the uh, federal budget goes to planetary science and where you make these extraordinary discoveries. I claim, Dr. Turtle, that if we were to find evidence of life on another world, it would change this one. It would. Everybody would feel differently about being a living thing. Uh, if I could ask the planetary scientists, um, more, more directly, do you think there are any sorts of minerals or gases that could be extracted in an industrial sort of operation? He's asking if there are any minerals or gases that could be extracted. Are there specific resources that we could find that would be useful? There's been a lot of work yeah. uh, looking into uh, resources, what resources one would be able to use in space. Um, absolutely. Um, one of the – it becomes a, a cost-benefit question. And right now, mining mm -hmm. things or, or picking up gases in the outer solar system is, is going to be very costly and probably not – um, more efficient cost-wise compared to, you know, mining or, or, you know, harvesting gases on Earth. But at some point, perhaps in the, in the future, as, you know, if people explore further and further out into the solar system, there will absolutely be resources there that they will be able to make use of in situ as they explore. In situ. Isru. In yes. situ resource utilization. Uh, Dr. Turtle, let's come back to the, the core of Daniel's question. You're working on the Dragonfly mission. It's not a cheap mission. How do you think about the the value proposition of like what this why it's worth funding this for the for the public? Absolutely, it's a it's a very important question, and and um, you know the we we explore the solar system to to understand the the solar system to explore bodies to understand them, but also because they give us insight into our own Earth, 
um, and to how things happened, you know, how things happen here on Earth, the processes that are going on here on Earth. But another aspect of this is that the um, the money that is spent on space exploration is spent here on Earth. That's right. And All the, the money large... spent in space is spent on Earth, everybody. And and the the most of that is going straight into salaries. So it's actually you know an, an economic investment in uh, in in people here on Earth as well. The workforce. Uh-huh. So uh, speaking of spending money, how much is this mission going to cost? Dragonfly to Titan, Moon of Saturn. So the New Frontiers missions um, in this call. So this is the fourth New Frontiers mission. The um, proposed cap on the cost through launch uh, was $850 million. So by comparison, New Horizons, the mission to Pluto and beyond, was about $600 million in money spent 15, 20 years ago. Right. Right. Again, but, and that's spread out over a number of and years. That's, that's not, out, that's not, we're, that's we're not just taking one year. That's several years, no, that, exactly. That yes. does not include the cost of the rocket. Is that right? Correct. Correct. So another thing to consider when you're spending money as a taxpayer is which rocket are you going to fly on? And so what we do at the Planetary Society is get into the weeds. Uh, do you use a SpaceX Falcon Heavy? Do you use a conventional Atlas V? Or do you wait holding your methane breath for the space launch system, the SLS, which is a NASA rocket being built in uh, nominally in Alabama, where uh, rockets have been built for in Huntsville, where rockets have been built for a long time. And so how long will it take to tighten depending on which rocket you get? So uh, NASA selects the launch vehicle. So but we you're don't... NASA, aren't you? Uh... Nope. In this case, in this case um, we are the mission. And it's above NASA, your pay grade it's or above, beside it's your pay grade? above all of our pay grades. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So NASA selects the rocket. Um, the nominal mission plan on the, um, the class of rocket within the announcement of opportunity for New Frontiers um, gets us from Titan with a launch in 2026, gets us to Titan in 2034. So that $850 million is carrying you all the way from now to 2034 and then some? That, so that's through, that's through launch. And okay. then there's an additional um, operations cost is, uh, comes after that. And that gets negotiated with NASA as well. So now, the, the bigger the rocket, the faster you get there. And the faster we find out yeah. whether or not there's life on another world and change the course of human history. Yeah. So, Daniel, this is a great call. If you're asking me and Dr. Turtle, this cost is very small and the return is enormous. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is awesome. Thank Thank you. you. Carry on. Stick around for more science rules after this. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Science Rules is back. One of the things that geologists always say when you're sending missions to Mars, and, uh, you know... Among my favorite 
hilarious comedy jokes is to start with the conventional phrase, some of my best friends are geologists. Anyway, they insist that a key to it is mobility. In other words, you land, one of the big frustrating things back in the 1970s, 1976, Viking a mission of spacecraft landed on Mars. It didn't land on a rock that would have tipped it over. Everything went fine, but you couldn't move. The Dragonfly mission to tighten the moon of Saturn has a whole different cool way of roving. Is that right? Right, right. Because we're a rotorcraft, because Dragonfly is a rotorcraft, we can fly from place to place. And so this gives us um, <clears throat> the ability to um, go further, to be able to travel further than we would if we were trying to drive across the surface of Titan. How, how far and, are you going to be able to travel? So in the nominal mission plan, um, we'd go 150 kilometers, something like that, over the lifetime of the mission. And then the other thing we can do because we can fly is we can actually go up and scout landing sites ahead of choosing them. So we can go out, fly, fly along, look at a place we think might be interesting, come back to the place we'd landed before, send the data back to Earth, have lots of, I'm sure, very um, good discussions about uh, – intense discussions about the benefits of the different uh, the different landing sites but it get, gives us a view before we get there so, so you're, you're, you're how cool will this be everybody <laughs> flying around on titan uh i'm also fascinated dragonfly let's see dragonflies are order odonata uh but i think about houseflies order diptera two-winged flies when they land they have sugar sensors in their feet they have smell sensors in their feet. And this mission, this spacecraft has sensors in its feet. Yes. Yes. We have uh, a number of instruments on board, and some of them are actually in the skids on the rotorcraft. So like a helicopter um, or rotorcraft, we have skids, and those are, those are the parts that will be most in contact with the surface. And so there's some, there's some instrumentation directly in those skids. The skids also have drill. There's a drill on each skid. What? And we can use that. <laughs> to uh, sample material and bring it into a mass spectrometer so that we can measure the details of the chemical she, she guys, composition. If you see, she's just bring it into a mass spectrometer. Yeah, she's just rattling this off. Yeah. Oh, by the way, there's a nuclear-powered octocopter with skids covered with sensors, and they have drills in them that then bring it into a little chemical lab to see what Titan's made of. Yeah. Oh, it's the uh, same it, kind of thing we do on Mars right saying? now. The Mars Curiosity rover does the, does the same thing, brings material right into its mass spectrometer and so tells us the how, details of the composition. How does a mass spectrometer work? So it um, it it separates the components of the materials. I'm not going to be ex able to explain this yes, in you an will. easy Doesn't way. It but it separates it. It heat, you, get, you can you heat the materials. You sand. can use a laser to separate the components of the materials, so that then you can measure the specific chemical composition. So become, all of this is happening inside your little flying drone. So. So when you say little, okay, how big? Yeah, how uh, big is this thing? <laughs> that's relative, right? The Dragonfly rotorcraft is about the same size as the Mars Curiosity rover. A small trash dumpster. We we have, but it's, but nicer, car. but way nicer. Way yes, nicer, yeah. uh, Bill, so, we have another caller. Yes. So I was going to say, Jim, Jim, are you calling us? Where are you calling us from? Where are you calling us? Where are you? From? Uh, hi, everybody. I'm calling from Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia, Jim. Pennsylvania, USA. Welcome to Science Rules. Correct. Welcome, welcome. What is your question? 
Uh, thanks very much. So I wanted to ask uh, just for uh, any thoughts that you might have on, on privatized uh, space travel, space exploration, um, particularly uh, SpaceX, which most everybody knows about at this point. I know they've done some things in cooperation and with the permission of NASA, but uh, wondering if, uh, you know, if the guest sees uh, SpaceX privatized uh, space projects as a good thing in the long run or a distraction, um, just any, anything you'd like to say on that. Thank you. So what do you think? Will, will, will private rockets sort of help open up space exploration? I think I think absolutely. Having multiple types of rockets, right? The more choice you have, the the more capabilities, the better. And and you know, I'm I'm a fan of space exploration. So you know, the the more the merrier, as long as we're all you know kind of working working together. And that's uh, that's as you say, some of the, one of the things that that we're working to do is make sure that everyone's um, coordinating because you know space is big, but we uh, we also need to uh, to make sure we're all coordinating our so, exploration efforts. Zibby. You participate in the decadal survey, right? Tell us about the deca- this is relevant, Jim. Stand by. So, <laughs> tell us about the decadal survey. So, um, different disciplines do decadal surveys, uh, which, as as you might guess, is a survey of the discipline that's done every decade. And so, every for ten every ten years, you guys get together, guys and gals, yep. engineers, scientists get together. Yep. So, for planetary science, the community provides input and a, a, a large group of people um, who are experts in the different uh, the different subsystems the sub uh, sub areas in the um, solar system planetary exploration um, prioritize the different science questions that that we want to answer and um, put together ideas of how we'll best be able to answer those questions so so, Jim, Elon Musk came to the decadal survey and said, I want to go to Mars. What do I got to do? What must I do? And the consensus right. was you got to lower the cost of getting to low Earth orbit. Because if you want to send like big rockets to Mars, uh, everybody thinks the only way you're going to or the best way to do it economically or at a reasonable cost is to assemble spacecraft in orbit. Because if you make spacecraft strong enough to hold their shape here on Earth, they become very heavy. But if you could fly up lighter weight parts and screw them all together, attach them somehow in Earth orbit, then on you would go. And just keep in mind, uh, it's also important to remember that SpaceX gets its funding by selling rockets to NASA and the Air Force and communications companies in other countries. Uh, But I don't Uh think, or and, and so anytime you have people competing to make better rockets, SpaceX, Blue Origin, uh, and then the people at NASA building Space Launch System, and then uh, United Launch Alliance making the Vanguard, and now they're going to make the Vulcan rocket. Anytime you have people competing, you're probably going to lower the cost, probably, because people will learn from each other and make shortcuts and so on, uh, find shortcuts. But with that said, I don't think there's ever going to be a business case for exploring Titan. You're not going to make money. You're not going to go, what I'm going to do is sell tickets to Titan. However, you could be, I'm going to make instruments and sell them to the to Dr. Turtle. I could see that. Uh, but may, there's not really um, a reason for anybody to map Titan with the idea of going there uh, commercially. But the pictures are going to be cool and the reason anybody even imagines going to Mars 
is because it was explored. It has been explored so thoroughly. We, we have maps of Mars of extraordinary detail, and we know the composition of Martian atmosphere. We know where the rocks are. We know where there may be uh, minerals are, I mean, and we know where there's probably an underground pool of water, a liquid water. And so this is something people love to get in uh, fist fights in the space exploration bar about this. But the reason uh, the Hudson Bay Company came into existence was because Britain had mapped or charted Hudson Bay. Uh, Magellan went around the world finding all these, not the spacecraft at first, the ship. The human being, yes. Went around the world and made the first really good chart, usable chart for the Western world of the Earth. Columbus was on a mission of exploration. I mean, you can say whatever you want about the guy himself, but it was to, to map for future economic opportunities. Right. He was, so, looking, he was looking for a trade route and he was looking for a so, shipping route. So I'm not sure there's going to be a trade route to Titan. That's all. Right. But, but it's, not, so it's not maybe in the near future. But, but, so it's but, where one thing leads to another. And as I've said many times, I don't – as much as I want to explore Mars and look for signs of life, I want to look for signs of life on Uranus. I want to explore signs of life on Titan. I don't want to go there and live it's just freaking hostile places. Well, especially you, you, don't, especially you don't want to go there and die. Yeah, that's – yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, well said. Uh, so, uh, uh, so Zibi, Dr. Turtle, uh, you were also talking earlier that you know, the, the program cost for Dragonfly does not include the cost of the rocket. So I'm assuming if the cost of the rocket can go way down – you can do more, and you can do other missions that might be too expensive. Well, NASA can do more. Right. Absolutely. Well, yeah. not you personally, but you collectively. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yes, because that's a, a large part of mission costs is the is the rocket. So we can get out into space. We can start seeing more, more, doing more. Yep. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Carry on. Oh, man. Whoa, what was that? Uh, Bill, I... I think we're on Earth and not on Titan, in which case that is definitely lightning, and that is definitely time for the lightning round with so, Dr. Turtle. Are you ready, Zibby? Okay. I hope you're sitting down. We're about sure. to throw some questions at you quickly. Okay. Here we go. Bill, take it. Dr. Turtle, where would you want to explore next? I'm a fan of the, uh, the Uranus system. If you could visit anywhere in the solar system, where do you want to go? I'd go to Titan. She'd go to okay. Titan. There it is. I, and you'd fly. And I'd fly. <laughs> okay, alien life. Are we going to find it or not in your lifetime? I don't know. But let's go exploring. What do you but say? Let's look for it. Uh, uh, did you have a favorite science fiction TV show or movie? I'm currently reading the Expanse series, which is which is pretty cool. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. I mean, were you Star Trek, Star Wars, any of that? Yeah, absolutely. Both? Yes. Both, yeah. Wow, way to go. Uh, way you're, to yeah. go. you're a crossover. <laughs> yeah. B5, Battlestar Galactica. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah, cool. Okay. Uh, would you go on a one-way trip somewhere, like to another star system, for example? I remember these conversations we'd have in college, actually, about if you had what percentage chance of getting to Mars would you go? And if you had what percentage chance of getting back from Mars, you know, would you would you go? Would okay, you let's, say, let's say we tell you that, you know, you've got a 99 percent chance of getting, getting there, there and, and a zero percent chance of coming mm -hmm. back. But if you get to stay there and explore, that'd be pretty exciting. So that, I, is that a yes? I think so. Yeah. No, OK, if it comes up, we'll if call you. If it comes you. up, let me know. <laughs> what I just love about this, Dr. Turtle, is your excitement. Your passion. It's just so cool. Thank you so much for taking the time to come here to Science Rules. 
I'm Bill Nye. I am Corey S. Powell. And remember, when it comes to the exploring planets part of our universe, science, science rules. rules. If you like Science Rules, please take a moment to rate and review it in Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. It helps us out and it helps other people learn about the show so they too can learn about our place in the cosmos and turn it up loud. Thank you. Be sure to look at my socials, as the kids say, for when to call into the show. I'm at Bill Nye on, on everything, on the facing of book and the gramming. Meanwhile, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, give us a call at 201-472-0785. Science Rules is produced by Jordan Bell and Corey S. Powell. Hey! With extra production from Lisa Wang, who also screens your phone calls. Our engineer today is Casey Halford, the very same Casey Halford who mixed this episode and composed our original theme song. Special thanks to Claire Rawlinson and Ashley Warren. Daisy Rosario is our executive producer. Chris Bannon is the CCO, the chief content officer here at Stitcher. And at Stitcher, Corey, what happens? Science rules. Stitcher. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.